everyone. Welcome back to TTT, the Talking Transport Transformation Podcast, brought to you by TUMI, the Transformative Urban Mobility Initiative. Like most urban areas, Tirana, the capital city of Albania, has experienced fast urban growth and uncontrolled urbanization in the last few decades. Recognizing the risks of this development for people's movement in the city, Tirana's leadership has started to focus on improving sustainable mobility. Ensuring a safe and healthy future for its citizens is one of the priorities of Tirana's leadership. In 2020, the city published its Sustainable Urban Mobility Plan, focusing on several key actions. These include fostering public transport, pushing cycling and micromobility, promoting smart mobility and planning urban mobility for the needs of the youth. On today's episode, we are delighted to welcome Anuela Restani. Anuela is the Deputy Mayor of Tirana for Foreign Relations. She joined the public administration in 2014 as General Director of the National Youth Service and was appointed to the position of Director of the Cabinet of the Mayor of Tirana. In her current role as Deputy Mayor, she advocates strongly for sustainable mobility. She particularly encourages improving walkability and designing a child-friendly city. Anuela will take us on a tour to Tirana and introduce us to the city's unique vision for sustainable urban mobility. So, let's listen in. Hi, Anuela. It's an honor to have you at our Tumi podcast. Hi. It's, it's such a pleasure to be here with you. Great. Great to hear that. So, Anuela, um, Tirana is one of the fastest growing cities in Europe. It currently ranks third place and is also the fastest growing city of Albania with a population of almost one million inhabitants, if I'm not mistaken. And to start our conversation with, I'd like to know from you, what has been the impact of this population growth on urban mobility over the last few years? And also, what does this growth mean for the current state of mobility in the city of Tirana? Well, of course, uh, Tirana has grown from 200,000 inhabitants in um, the early 90s to 1 million. So basically quintupled in population. And not just mobility, but everything that you could think of that we share in the city is impacted by developing five times faster than the actual infrastructure. Which means that you have to share um, the same road would have to be shared by five times more people. Um, the, sh the same schools would have to be shared by five times more people. The same resources have to be shared by five times more than what they used to be. And the problem with that is that um, it ne didn't necessarily have a plan. So all of this came as a shock. Nobody had predicted that we would grow so fast so soon. And everybody did their best. You know, people who didn't have homes, um, they built wherever they could find some land. And others who um, had apartments, already existing apartments, they had to share, you know, the, the playgrounds or the, the parks um, downstairs with people who needed to park a lot more. And um, the biggest change was that we weren't allowed to have any private um, property during communism which meant that you nobody here owned personal vehicles. And all of a sudden, everybody could afford to have a personal vehicle. So we're now from 17, maybe, or with all the utility vehicles in the early 90s, we maybe had 100 roughly vehicles going around the city. Now we have 
200,000 and counting. And so you can imagine the shock that does to urban mobility and how it has to um, digest uh, all of this, you know, new additions because the roads were the same. Um, they were just invaded by 200,000 vehicles. The space was just the same. So it was just invaded by 200,000 vehicles um, who all of a sudden needed not just to move, but also to, to park themselves somewhere. And so um, it has been a challenge. For many years, people thought that, you know, nothing could be done. Um, but there is hope <laughs> and things can be done. And how they are uh, done, they should develop in an integrated way. So, you know, you cannot just wake up one morning and say it's not efficient to have 200,000 cars. Uh, we get rid of them. Obviously, we cannot do that. Nobody has successfully done that so far. But you, what we can do is to create um, enough uh, likability for public transport or other alternative means of transport in order to solve this problem. And so that's where, that's from where we've come from. And that's actually where we're headed, which I'm sure you have a next question for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for this first overview. So I see that especially the, the number of vehicles uh, has grown over the past. And of course, with that, the challenges uh, have risen. So from your point of view, you mentioned the attractiveness of public transport and also, of course, other modes of, of um, transport. How should or how are you as a municipality trying to improve this attractiveness? Is there also um, something you need about Tirana's approach to sustainable mobility? What is unique about Tirana's approach to sustainable mobility is exactly the history where we're coming from. Um, none of us had had a private vehicle. None of us had their own cars when we were growing up. Um, the city was basically walkable, and it still is. The city is bussable, and it still is. Uh, what makes it less attractive or more attractive is not necessarily uh, is not necessarily a, a question of change in terms of um, in terms of the, the circumstances or the conditions it's more of a approach to attitude um, you know when you see the vehicle as as a trophy um, then it doesn't you don't necessarily use it because you need to use it you use it because you need to make a statement for using it um, so that is something that we're fighting and that is what's what makes what makes Tirana unique um, changing this mindset that if you are using um, uh, public transportation or if you're using a bike or if you're walking does not make you a second-class citizen. And how do you do that? Well, first of all, you declare war to cars in any way possible, urban-wise. So, you know, if you're not, nobody is uh, able to park for free in uh, urban, in metropolitan Tirana today, as we speak, which was not the case uh, five years ago, six years ago. Um, you could basically just park your car anywhere you wanted and occupy that space and you didn't have to pay anything for it. So, you know, we know cars are parked 99% of their lifetime. And they are only used up to like max 3%. Um, and so that is not something you do now. But more than that, not just 
on-street paid parking, but basically you cannot park on-street at all. So, you know, if you wanted to show your car as a trophy, now that you have to park underground and all of our public uh, parking is underground, it doesn't look like a trophy anymore because nobody knows which one is your car. You know, when you're going out to clubs and when you're going out in public spaces and when we're going to the theater, because you just have to hide it underneath. So instead of that, you can just, you know, take a bike. And um, it's, it's, this, um, it's this example that um, I, I think Gil Peñalosa, who is, um, who is a big actor in, in, uh, in sustainable city living and parks and, and walkability, mentions all the time, if you see good-looking people riding bikes, then uh, that's a message you've made it. So we've, uh, we've turned bikes into a very attractive uh, tool to have because uh, if you can bike on a protected bike lane, that means that you can bike very comfortably. You know, you can still wear your heels when you bike. Uh, you could still dress nicely when you bike because you're not going to fight with all this fumes from the cars going in and out. You have your own lane and there's no obstacles. Um, the same way we do with enlarging pedestrian space and enlarging the sidewalks. Um, in some of these um, main arteries in the city, we've doubled the space of the sidewalks and we've taken away all the space that cars would have used before for pre-parking or for double lanes. We're in the city. In the city, you walk. In the city, you share the space with, with one another. In the city, you interact. And it's very difficult for you to interact um, with people when you're driving. But it's very easy to do that when you're walking or when you're biking or when you're using public transportation. So, yes, the mindset needs to be changed, but there are certain conditions that you need to fill out before that mindset changes. And when the city as a whole or the administration puts an emphasis and really values, also in monetary and in budget terms, pedestrian space, bike lanes, and public transportation, that means that this importance um, is, more, uh, is, is more up on the list compared to uh, serving people who use their own vehicles. So, you know, if we were, if, if we want to prioritize something uh, or somebody, we have to exactly prioritize the ones that do not have thousands and thousands of, of um, euros to spend on a vehicle, but they have the same rights to be citizens, respected citizens of this common space that we call the city. So um, by prioritizing them in everything that we decide, in all of our investments, the cars or where they're going to be going or how they're going to be moving are our last priority. First of all, we make sure that uh, pedestrian space is there. Second of all, we make sure that all the um, sidewalks are walkable, even though um, not just by people who are adults and, and, and grown-ups, but also for the ones that have impaired abilities and, and um, or kids or strollers and stuff like that. So they're not interrupted. And uh, bike lanes are there in all of our infrastructure, in everything that we're doing. We make sure that there is a dedicated bike lane that is fully protected. And all of that takes priority be before we even start to think about accommodating these 200,000 vehicles. Um, and in terms of numbers, these 200,000 vehicles in the city of Tirana do the same job in terms of numbers as 300 buses 
that um, deliver bus services for, for the people of the city. So can you imagine that this balance of, of service that, you know, 300 buses against 200 vehicles and that kind of thinking and this kind of, you know, um, uh, evaluation and this kind of analysis makes you realize that, yes, it does make sense to prioritize these guys because they are just moving with 300 uh, buses and these other guys, same number, same citizens, same rights, um, are instead polluting multiple times, uh, disturbing multiple times, and interfering in this common space and this common interaction that we have in the city in very unfriendly ways, um, if I may say. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's specifically different on what we're doing here, but that's definitely um, the way we're approaching this problem. Well, that sounds very encouraging, actually. And I really agree to everything you said about prioritizing investments uh, for pedestrians and cyclists. And also I, what I like is um, your war on cars. That's a very brave statement. I'm sure a lot of car users wouldn't wouldn't agree, but that's that's also, I believe, what is important that you take up on this war and, um, and really, um, yeah, hide away this this um, status symbolism which is which still exists in in many countries and cultures uh, about using cars right instead of more sustainable modes of transport like walking cycling and taking the public transport systems of course what you also mentioned is uh, road safety and you mentioned children for example and that's i believe also a topic which is um very important for you personally and also for the city of Tirana. And I would be interested to know, and of course our listeners as well, how you approach that topic and how is how is it also related to sustainable mobility from your point of view? Um, we are a culture that is very big on family. Um, and when we say family, like the central item there is, is children. But we weren't behaving as if that was true. So, you know, in an analysis that we ran in 2015, um, when you ask parents what's the most important thing in your life, they would say my kids, of course. You know, that's what every parent would say. And when we ask them, do you think you're spending more money on your kids than on anything else um, when it comes to your household income? And they say, yes, of course I am. But then when you do the numbers, you actually find out that people are spending more money on what? Their cars instead of kids. And in a culture like ours, that was a little bit shocking. You know, that was a little bit like saying, oh, you guys are not as good parents as you used to be or, or as you think you would be just because of this one fact. You know, if you're spending, I don't know, on average 200 euros a month, um, to maintain your car, to park, um, to renovate, whatever, to for gas, um, and all that thing, all those things, and you're not spending nearly as much, or not even half of that amount for your kids. Um, that means that you know there's something wrong in here. So what do you do, however? Um, because the argument would be, well, one of the reasons why I use my vehicle um, and then make everybody's life in the city more miserable is just because of my kids. And um, one of the most surprising things that we found um, in our running our analysis was 
parents drive their kids to school, although um, they could be ver- living very, very close to, to um, the school where, you know, the school might be very close to, to, their, um, um, to their apartment, to their place, because they are afraid of um, all of this movement. So they, there's a lot of traffic. So they, they want to make sure that their kids are safe. And the best way to think to assure that their kids are safe is through driving them. Now, you can imagine how much of a vicious circle that creates. Because you're driving your kids to school because other parents are driving their kids to school. And more parents are driving their kids to school because more parents are driving their kids to school. So, you know, it's, it's very schizophrenic in, in the way it works because you're basically contributing to the same problem by making it bigger. Um, and so one of the things that, you know, cities around the world are doing and we have started to do is how about we ensure that nobody drives their kids to school and instead kids are, they can, kids can safely go to the, to, to the school nearest them. When we're talking about public schools in Tirana, public schools in Tirana are almost in every neighborhood. Um, other than being like that, even in the newest parts of the city, we um, have um, we have taken this action of building, I think we have 20 new schools coming up. And in a city like ours, that's a huge number. So in terms of proximity to the place, um, to the neighborhood, that is a fulfilled criteria. So any kids can go to public school, can walk to public school, the question is how we make that safe. And the way we make that safe is by really not allowing for anyone not to go in a safe way, which means, you know, create the conditions where they can safely walk. Um, so what we're doing right now, and we've tested it in one or um, successfully tested it in, in one particular school, uh, and we have nine on the, on the pipeline, is Streets for Kids. This, this initiative that looks at the street or at the streets around the school, um, surrounding the school and closes them for cars or allows only one lane passage and then um, it creates physical barriers for other vehicles to enter a certain zone. So it's kind of like they have in the U.S. like um, school zones where you don't drive uh, up to a certain speed or whatever. But this is exactly prohibiting vehicles to even enter that area which means that even if the kids are running out of school, it's still safe, you know, they're not running the streets, kids of certain ages and emotions and, and um, you know, circumstances, but also they could safely walk so that we put an end to this vicious circle where we think of our kids uh, and the best way to drive them to school because others are driving. And so if nobody's driving, that means that everybody's similarly safe. So that is one of the things that we're doing. The other thing that we're doing, which is more for the grown-ups than for the kids, is basically creating play spaces. In a city that um, uh, has 1 million um, inhabitants, obviously you have like 300,000 kids, more or less, you know, from 0 to 16. Um, In our city, we have no playgrounds. So, you know, if you wanted to send your kids to or have them play, you would go to this 
uh, private places. We'd have to drive somewhere, park somewhere, you know, shopping malls and things like that. So obviously that didn't help with a sustainable and, and um, mobile city. So what we do is we have a deal with our citizens and we say, if you can make space in your neighborhood, you know, give up some of that uh, backyard or some of that fencing that you have in your neighborhood, then if you find us a space, we will build a playground for your own neighborhood. Now, how does this help in terms of mobility? Well, you know, kids, if they have uh, attractions that are close to where they're living uh, and they can walk and they have the sense of freedom, obviously that is a lot more healthier and a lot more efficient for all. But from the perspective of parents, really being able to entertain your child without necessarily... um, um, making big movements throughout the city, which, you know, are a waste of time, a waste of resources, require private, um, possibly private vehicles, moving in and out, parking and, and whatnot. You're basically giving them a chance to, first of all, gain independence. And second of all, have a real good quality of free time. Because, you know, we know from studies and everything else that um, play is the most important element in the growth and the healthy growth of children. But play without the need to, um, you know, being transported long ways and with more independent access to it is even better. And so that's why it's important to have the spaces close to where you're living. That's why it's important to have this micro space, micro uh, city in the neighborhood where you're living is the concept of the mixed usage of space, which, you know, is, is very commonly accepted now in urban development. It means you do not have neighborhoods that are just for, you know, the financial district or just for residential district or just for, I don't know, strawberries. You have mixed use of the space because the mixed use of the space, such as, you know, residential space plus parking plus playgrounds plus um, schools in the proximity, really creates a healthy environment because exactly because it doesn't require um it doesn't require huge mobility efforts i know that answers it <laughs> <laughs> absolutely it does thanks and also is there a city you mentioned a lot of initiatives now with the safe streets for kids um projects and also the play zones Where do you get your ideas from? Is there a city that acts as a role model maybe uh, in terms of planning and also implementation of sustainable mobility for Tirana? Um, we are looking at different cities on different different elements. Um, a city that, you know, is a good model is a city that is livable. Um, we have collaborated with a lot of cities that rank really high in their livability. One of them is Vienna, for example, is a very good example that, you know, has managed to do this really well. But we've worked with um, with Dutch cities on our bike um, bike lanes and our, our minimum grid for our bikes. Um, we've been looking at uh, places like Barcelona. Um, and obviously, you know, the, uh, the Paris with all the revolution that is doing right now with closing the streets for cars. So we look at different cities um, on different topics. But I think that today, all cities are looking into very, very similar initiatives. So it's not a matter of, you know, a few years ago, this would be like revolutionary. Now I think every mayor is 
um, very aware of the importance of sustainable mobility and sustainability overall, because sustainability is more than just, you know, keeping your pollution in check. It's more than um, making economic sense. It's about what's really enjoyable. And we should be enjoying cities. You know, it's ultimately the, the, the testament of life. You know, we live to be with others who are social beings. And the cities are exactly where we practice that. And the measure for how sustainable your city is, is completely correlated to how livable your city is. So there's still not an example of a city that has not thought of sustainable mobility, but still ranks high on livability and, and you know, on public health and all the all these uh, parameters that we evaluate, you know, quality of life. Um, unless, you know, there's anything revolutionary telling us that this is not the case and there's none, no studies to support that. Um, that means that, you know, these two things are interchangeable and they're both important and they complement each other. So it's not just about mobility, it's about life. That's so true. So you're really um, advocating here for more sustainable mobility as a backbone for more livable um, cities. And I, of course, um, I'm fully, um, yeah, as well sharing this idea as part of the Transformative Urban Mobility Initiative. Um, so for my last question um, in this episode, I would like to look into the future of urban mobility in Tirana and ask you, how will it look like maybe in 10 years? What's your vision for the city and how do you plan to get there? Well, the vision for this for the city um, is obviously uh, the reduction at in the at max of the usage of, of private vehicles. Uh, we are adding new lines for public transportation um, with um, well now there are hybrid buses, but hopefully they will move more into electric buses. We are increasing the number of our bike lanes and um, the, let's say, the arteries are growing so that they can be more better connected with one another. Um, and then, you know, hopefully in a short while, there won't be anywhere where it won't be possible to access um, with, with through the bike lanes. And we are moving on with our uh, safe pedestrian zones. So my vision For Tirana is basically the vision of the city that we all had painted in our books when we were kids and we were learning about, you know, how to live in the city. And I'm sure, you know, we've all had like different languages, but this picture of um, a place where you have people on the street saying hi and bye and you have the pharmacy and you have the school and you have the bike and you have parents walking by with their, with their kids. I think ultimately that's what everybody's looking to um, and everybody hopes to do, you know, when, when you are in this line of work. So, and I think it's very doable in a city like Tirana, which is, which offers all the conditions that you need to fill out in order to make this possible. It has short distances. It's pretty flat. The weather is gorgeous. So there's no big barriers to that. Um, and people are flexible. So hopefully the same way they learned um, to how to move with their pri and how to be owners of a pri private vehicle very, very fast, 
hopefully the same way they will learn how to forget about uh, private vehicles very, very fast and instead return into this more sustainable and more pleasant which is even more important than than uh, sustainability, more pleasant and more likable um, way of living, which is um, through walking, biking, using public transportation. So hopefully, um, Tirana in 10 years will be exactly like that picture that we would see as kids when we learn about cities. <laughs> Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. So thanks so much. It's been really a pleasure talking to you. And uh, Pleasure was all mine. Uh, we, we, we will be happy to follow your activities and, of course, also the developments in the urban mobility sector in Tirana. And yeah, I wish you all the best to you and the city. Thanks for, for talking to us. Thank you so much. Look forward to meeting you again. <laughs> Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Anuela, for explaining Tirana's vision for the future of urban mobility. We're impressed with what the city has already achieved and are looking forward to hearing more about these innovative and successful projects in Tirana. We hope you all enjoyed today's episode. We enjoyed sharing Tirana's experience in transforming urban mobility. As always, thanks for tuning in and hear you next time. <laughs>